right, this is going to be another fart-free episode. I know Paris was complaining earlier about how this uh, the series uh, took a real nosedive when we stopped ending the intro with farts. Or maybe that was South Park. I forget. Um, it's the BertCast! I'm your host, Nick, and today is September 11th, and I am going to talk about it. Usually when I tell people what my podcast is about, I, I say that I share stories for people who are younger than me and explain things like September 11th and how it was that I experienced it, and so uh, I'm actually going to do that podcast now. So, uh, scritch my chair. I ate my cereal. It's not Friday, but sometimes I have my cereal. Let's see. So September 11th. It was September 11th, 2001. I started at San Diego State University. It was my first uh, semester there. Probably the first week. Maybe the second week. I'm not sure. Uh, fairly new there. For new student, new school. Uh, my roommate... Uh, let's see. I moved to San Diego with uh, with my buddy Andy. We moved down here to become rock stars. Uh, rejoined the band. I've shared that story. Uh, we lived together. Uh, we moved in the fall of '97. We lived together uh, until he graduated uh, at San Diego State and moved to Quebec. Uh, he did that in the summertime. Uh, I guess yeah, right after school ended. Uh, he moved off to Quebec and uh, broke up the band. Well, we he left and the band kept going. Uh, we we went on without him. I was going back to school. Uh, this is uh, this is where where life was. Let's see. I was I was dating uh, Alex, the the woman I'm married to now. Uh, we had been together. For a year and a half, uh, almost uh, two years, by the time September 11th, September came around. Uh, so that's kind of where I was at in life. Um, uh, let's see, when my friend moved out, someone or when, when Andy moved out, another guy moved in. He was there for a couple months because uh, I needed two people to pay the rent. And then he left. And so I had to find another place to live. So I had relatively uh, recently, before September, uh, moved in with some new roommates. So all new situation. Uh, it was chill. I was a musician, going back to school, living the dream. Uh, something else I definitely want get, to get across is the idea about flying on an airplane. Like, I just... God, air, air traffic, air, air travel was so fucking different. You know, I bought, I bought like a $25 ticket from Sacramento to San Diego once. You just, you just buy a ticket, you just get on the plane. Getting on the plane was almost like walking into Target. I mean, you, you walk through the metal detector. If you had a, if you had a suitcase... Uh, you know, or a big backpack, sure, you'd put it on the conveyor belt and it'd roll through, and then you just walk through the metal detector. Your bag would come out the other side. You walk to the gate. You know, you can get out of the car 20 minutes before your flight boards and sit there at the gate for 10 minutes 
uh, waiting for your flight to board. You just literally walked straight through security. It was just, you know, why not? Because the metal detector was going to catch anything, and we just got on the plane, and everything went great. And then uh, I'll go through some of the facts. I, I, uh, I know many of you know this, but I'll, I'll, I'll explain it from my point of view, what happened what happened as I was aware of it, and stuff that happened that I wasn't aware of it, because this happened on the East Coast early in the morning, and I was on the West Coast, so three hours behind. Uh, most of it was over, as, as I'll explain before I actually like woke up and started paying attention. Let's see, so... Yeah, they, they, the, the terrorists, there's, a, there's supposed to be 20 terrorists, but one of them got... Uh, stopped from getting on the flight for some reason or another. And I'm not going to go too much into them. They're uh, pieces of shit. Uh, flew out here to uh, to do what they did. Uh, did training. Some of them did training here in San Diego. Uh, learning how to fly. Uh, you know, there's, oh, there's so much information about this stuff out there. They, they started to raise attention because they never needed to learn how to land a plane. They just wanted to learn how to steer it. And some of the flight instructors thought that that was, that was curious because people don't usually just want to learn how to steer a plane. Uh, let's see. So, uh, let's go into the events of the day. So they get on the planes early in the morning. There were 20 of them, but it ended up being 19 because one couldn't get on, so five per plane, except for the one that had four. Uh, they start getting on the planes early in the morning. They start taking off. They're all long-distance uh, planes. They're all cross-country planes so that they would all be filled with lots of fuel so they would cause the maximum amount of damage uh, and, and be the biggest planes possible. Uh, they, so they started flying, let's see, I think it was around 8.46 a.m. Eastern Time is when the first plane crashed. Uh, let's see, uh, my girlfriend at the time, uh, got up in the morning, it was a 6 o'clock our time, you know, like 15 minutes later, I get the, the phone call. Uh, hey, hey, hey Nick, uh, it's a plane crashed into the World Trade Center. You know, I kind of woke up and heard that, and I'm like, oh, shit. You know, same same thing the president thought, everyone thought, and they're like, oh, shit. That sucks. Uh, that's a hell of an accident. But you know what happens? There's a Cessna that crashed into the Empire State Building. You know, I'm thinking of King Kong. Uh, you know, it's like, shit, how bad do they... You know, is it foggy? How... Screwy do they have to be to accidentally crash into a into a plane I'm like oh that sucks. I'm gonna go back to sleep and uh, I went back to sleep and uh, At 903 uh, East Coast time uh, a second plane flew into the second tower uh, Everyone in the world knew that instant that it wasn't uh, Something screwy that it was a new uh, new reality, uh, fucking, uh, yeah, I guess it was, what, 15, 16, 17 minutes of, uh, people going, that was weird to, uh, knowing that it was war, 
Uh, we all knew it was terrorism. Uh, that wasn't an accident because there's all a bunch of cameras aimed at at the one building, and they all showed the second plane coming in. So it was uh, uh, live on TV. Everyone lost their shit, except for me. I was still asleep. Uh, which is funny, because my, my girlfriend's like, well, I, you, you seem like you weren't interested. And I'm like, well, I wasn't interested when it was, was an accident. <laughs> I, I'm certainly interested in terrorism, but... Uh, you know, that was my fault for loving my sleep. So, yeah, at uh, 9.03 uh, is when the second plane crashed and everyone knew what it really was. Uh, 34 minutes later, uh, a third plane crashed into the Pentagon. Uh, and everyone's like, okay, this isn't, it's not even over yet. What's, what's happening uh, you know, they're already evacuating, you know, at that, at that point, there's, you know, the presidents, the vice president, these people are off, uh, evacuated someplace safe after, after the Pentagon was hit, like the white house, the complete white house, the, um, uh, fuck, uh, the Capitol was, um, was evacuated uh, everyone, you know, like, well, who, who else is out there? What else is happening? Um, let's see at 959. These are all Eastern times. 959, the, uh, the South World Trade Center tower, uh, starts collapsing. I don't know. It takes like 10 seconds to collapse. Uh, let's see. Four minutes later, uh, flight 93. Uh, crashes in in Pennsylvania basically by by that point so what what happened you know the the, the terrorists had box cutters and basically they you know they I know someone got stabbed on the first flight um, some stories came out about that but basically they you know they did the usual hijacking stuff where they told everyone we just want to fly somewhere we just you know we're just flying to some other country so we can get out of here and then they go in the cockpit and uh you know no one ex ex suspected that they wanted to crash and uh take out you know a building in a blaze of glory so uh the first two they when those happened uh and even the third one like i don't know i i know for sure that there was someone on the last airplane who had a phone that worked periodically and they were able to talk to, uh, it was a husband who was able to talk to his wife and the wife's like, they're fucking, this is, there's three, three planes have gone down. So the people that are hijacking you, uh, they're not doing what they're saying. They're not just taking you, uh, to wherever they're going, uh, to, you know, off to, I don't know what they said, Egypt or, uh, Iran or Jamaica or whatever it is there you're you're gonna crash somewhere soon and then they they basically stormed the the cockpit because they knew if they didn't do anything they were gonna crash and so there was four or five guys I don't know which plane had only four guys but they basically they're like well to hell with you know getting cut with a box cutter if we don't do anything we're gonna die anyway so they rushed the cockpit uh 
and the airplane crashed in a field in Pennsylvania. And that was the that was the the end of that incident because all the the pieces of shit terrorists were were dead at that point. Uh, but you know that wasn't wasn't really the end of anything. That was the the beginning of a new world. Uh, yeah, I mean the New York skies were black for months. Uh, God, I mean. People were saying Bin Laden uh, before dinner time, um, and that's interesting. There's a, there's a whole story there. There's I, I read books on this, and you know, Bin Laden was an ally of ours as, as America was figuring out which uh, warring factions we would prefer to be in charge. We sided with. Uh, with bin Laden, we helped arm him, we helped train him, and at some point, and I, I don't want to, I'm not going to belittle it, I'm not going to oversimplify it, I'm just going to say that uh, at some point he became very unhappy with us, obviously, uh, raised an army, and uh, came after us, and, uh, whoo, so let's see, uh, I did another podcast. I have a good friend who uh, who worked at the stock exchange at the time this happened, uh, which was right across the street. And her story of that day of, uh, you know, having a good friend who uh, whose brother worked in the trade center and going to their house and waiting for the phone to ring and her wearing high heels and then running around for hours barefoot and then finding a shoe store uh, and trying to buy shoes so she wasn't barefoot. And I'll include a link uh, in the description to that podcast. I, uh, I interviewed her, me and my friend Liam, uh, my brother from another mother. Uh, we interviewed her. Uh, her name's Terry. So you can, you can listen to her story. That was... Uh, it was eye-opening for me because we watched it, you know, the, the, the rest of the country watched it from TV, you know, cameras two miles away watching the New York skyline. Um, and then eventually it gets close to the, the wreckage of the buildings after they fell down. But seeing it all at, at that distance, you know, it was, I'll, I'll talk about how it how it messed with us as a as a as a country, but for her to actually be running around underneath it, uh, through the smoke and dust, it, it's a fucking amazingly uh, difficult story. So the, I guess one of the points I want to make, you know, we're super political partisan and. For me, this is the the early two thousands was the the time I I really started to notice that. I mean, I know you know I, I guess well. A lot of people liked you know Clinton because Clinton was a president for the last well eight to ten years of the nineties, and you know I mean he was on MTV. They asked uh, boxers and briefs, and I, oh yeah, they, they asked if he smoked pot, and he's like, oh, I, I did, but I didn't inhale, and stuff like that. You know, he was just your 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 buddy, bro, uh, president, and then Bush and Bush, 
you know, the, the internet, no one had the internet. I guess we kind of had the internet, but we were all just like AOL in the last few years of the 90s. There'd be like a little chat room. There'd be like five people, 10 people, 20 people in a chat room. And you're just talking about, you know, your local, like I was in the San Diego chat room. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, it's fine, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it wasn't until the 2000s when things got super political. Uh, and, you know, Bush was the worst president ever. Uh, you know, uh, talk shows were political all of a sudden and, you know, speaking the truth to power and just how the worst president ever uh, was president now. And uh, it's kind of been that way ever since. But there was this, uh, I'll say, two-week period after September 11th. Maybe three weeks. Probably not three weeks, though. Probably two, two and a half weeks where, like, there wasn't Republicans and Democrats. There wasn't the left and the right. There was just uh, Americans. Um I'll say, yeah, I'll say uh, uh, my in-laws, they, they weren't my in-laws at the time because we weren't married, but I had some, uh, my wife's got friends, our family in uh, in England who were like, yeah, we kind of had it coming though because, you know, America's where Americans are fucking around in the world and, you know, we fucked around a little too much and uh, we kind of, we kind of had it coming and, uh, I don't know. I I don't know if I'll ever treat her uh, fully with respect when she said that. Because I know uh, a few years later there were the uh, the London uh, subway and bus bombings, and uh, it was like no point where I thought about telling her that uh, you know, hey, England's got a, a history of. Uh, being a global power and doing things that maybe other countries don't like and so maybe they had it coming you know it's i'm just like what a what a fucked up thing to say uh is that a tangent that's a tangent uh but yeah so uh, aside from some limey brits uh there was you know there's no left there's no right for for two two and a half weeks um we we were all one which is not to say we were all uh, in a good mood. Um, I'm definitely not going to make this about the band, but I'll say you know more about you know the band I was in. It's called Severely Misunderstood. Um, you know, I, I said the the singer guy left um, a few months before we basically regrouped, put uh, put our put our shit together, put on a, a great show. There's a bar in San Diego called Cane's. Um, it's a, like a, a, a chicken shop now or something like that. They don't even have a stage anymore, but, uh, over by the, uh, the roller coaster in Mission Bay. Uh, let's see. So, I, I mean, we, we had dreamt of playing there one day and we finally played and it was a kick-ass show the first week of September. And we're like, shit, yeah, we're finally, we're finally making it. And they're like, hey, can you guys come back in a couple weeks? Like, hell yeah, we can come back in a couple weeks. And we're like, finally, after all this time of playing these shit shows, we had, uh, 
you know, we were Bub's Whiskey Dive up in uh, Oceanside. We were the Friday night band for a year and a half. Three nights or three hours uh, every Friday night playing, uh, playing mostly covers and some originals. And we had finally paid our dues and things were finally going our way. Uh, you know, early September 2001, and we're supposed to come back, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, it was about a, was it a week? It was within a week of, uh, September 11th when we came back, and, I mean, we were in mourning, the, 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 I can't say the world, the, certainly the country was still in mourning, we, we went on stage, we went through the motions, almost nobody came because we only, we only went because we were obligated, but we weren't in there, uh, we, we weren't into it. Um, uh, yeah, this isn't a, a melodramatic uh, thing about, you know, me regretting the band going through struggle. I'm just, I'm just saying that for all the work we had done for all the dreaming that we had done and for the successes we were having and things looking like it took off to just not even matter anymore. You know, we'd broken up, we, we broke up within a few months of that. I want to say, um, you know, Pantera broke up, you know, a lot of people broke up. I mean, just whatever you were doing at the time, it, everyone stopped and reassessed. Uh, my parents-in-law, uh, my my girlfriend at the time, her 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 mom and stepdad, who'd been together for I don't know, like twenty years or whatever it was, they decided to get married. Uh, just like everyone reevaluated, cut out what didn't matter, uh, prioritized what did matter. I mean, it was. I, I can't even, you know, nobody know what to do, except for Gilbert Gottfried, who, uh, the the king of too soon, of, of not giving any shits about too soon. Let's see, there was a, a roast, because he, he lived in New York City, uh, and they filmed a, a roast for Hugh Hefner, um, I believe, the, the guy who invented the Playboy Empire. And uh, he did, uh, Gilbert did a routine. Uh, let's see, I think, I think he said that he was going to go by his Muslim name, uh, something about uh, Osama not getting laid in or something like that. But he, at, at the end of his sketch, I don't know, somewhere in the middle, so, somewhere in his routine, he said that uh, he had to leave early because... He is flying to L.A. that night, and he couldn't get a direct flight. That uh, The flight he was on uh, had to stop at the Empire State Building. And, uh, as you can imagine, telling that joke in the uh, Empire State, uh, within two or three days, uh, shit, uh... Because, I mean, that's the thing. I'm sure he he and everyone else was like, what do we do? Like, a couple days later, my band played, and we didn't know what to do, and nobody knows what to do. 
you know, I, I, like I imagine like it was like if your brother died or just like it, it was, it was palpable loss that we felt, but it was like everyone felt it. It was like everyone lost a brother one morning and like everyone's like, okay, well someone else needs to keep, get their shit together because me and my family are having a rough go. But it was everyone. And I can't tell you how long that lasted. Uh, was it months? Was it years? You know, when, when before that, like the numbness went away. And we started to. Uh, God, I don't I don't even know. It was it was it was some shit. Like. Like COVID, COVID's definitely a national tragedy, but there it's it's missing the someone caused it intentionally. Like if we found out that like some scientist uh, intentionally engineered and released covid to cause what it did then then it might start to to feel because you know it's, it's part of you know it's like if you've ever had anything stolen you know that you know someone broke into your house or your car and stole something from you there's that that feeling you know it's, it's not about the the uh the credence cd that they got it's about you feeling not safe anymore in your own place. That's that's what's missing from COVID. The the someone's coming to to get you. Um. Yeah, I just can't uh, I can't stress enough that that's really the the part through that it's the that that we came together as a country. Um. And things started to go back to normal within a few weeks. By normal, I mean uh, political people shitting on the president or saying the president was the best ever. I know this led to the Patriot Act, which is kind of like a a uh, the rights the the rights uh, you know the government to spy on people uh, need to be relaxed. Uh, in a way that, um, I mean, everyone's for it when it should happen, but then, the, you know, it always inevitably leads to, uh, can lead. It's always, you know, it's always a, um, a balancing act. You know, how do you balance, uh, giving power to people who should find these cocksuckers and not let them do what they're doing? Uh, and not let, um, you know, don't, you know, you don't want to end up with uh, a presidential campaign being wiretapped. So, you know, the, that's how we, how we got here was the, um, the, the Patriot Act, the FISA courts, the, uh, we need a uh, search warrant. The government needs a search warrant to spy on you unless uh, they can demonstrate some reason why. Uh, 
And if they get a, a judge and someone to sign off on it and that, you know, they'll, they'll have their own secret safeguards and, uh, you know, everything like any, like, like, like everything with government powers, it's, it's only as good as the, uh, the people who are, who are using the powers. So that was, that was a huge thing. We all were kind of gladly willing to say, yeah, no, yeah, I, I don't know how. I don't know how these people came here, got all their training, and did all that they did, and moved around freely for as many months as they did. We sure wish the uh, uh, FBI, CIA, whoever would have found them, so please take whatever power you need uh, to make that happen. Uh, and I, I think we need to uh, reevaluate that and kind of swing back a little bit, but that's also neither here nor there. I guess it does lead to a good lead to a good um, topic change on the 9/11 truthers. I'm gonna have a sip of water. Truthers. These are the people who think that 9/11 was an inside job. Uh, there's a lot of very humorous and or almost compelling data uh i know there's a picture when when uh when president bush uh when the first plane crashed into the world trade center bush was at a school maybe his elementary school kids and he had a book and he was reading to the kids and i just remember seeing a picture let me try to pull it up cuz i just remember it was bush was holding a book as if he was reading it to kids but the book was upside down let me bush upside down upside down book 911 Let's see if the Brave browser search. Does this photograph show President Bush reading a book upside down? It's certainly, there is certainly a picture of Bush around the time the first plane crashed. He's sitting next to a kid. The kid's reading, and Bush is apparently going back and forth reading with the kid, and he's clearly holding a picture book, and it is clearly upside down. Uh... Oh, good. And this got false because I, you know, that didn't seem true because the, the story was that Bush knew that the plane was about to crash and he was not paying attention to the book. And that was the story. So let's see. This is, oh, Snopes. Oh, well, let's see. Does this photograph show President Bush reading a book upside down? False. This may be a funny picture, but even if it were real, it would still just be a funny picture. If it weren't manipulated, it would come because an aide handed the book to President Bush for a photo op. Uh, he didn't immediately notice it was upside down. Uh, plus, oh yes, it's a hardcover book with a, what they call a dust jacket, which is a removable cover, which is put on the book. So you can't tell if the pages with the words facing him are right side up and it's just the removable cover that's on upside down they say the photograph so shows telltale signs of digital editing uh so 
according to Snopes. And someone else has a picture, another picture of, okay, there's, there's another picture. Uh, looks like it was taken around the exact same second that that first one was taken, and the book is right side up. So there you have it. I've just solved it. Um, but you, you got to, you, that's the other thing you got to know for uh, 2001, the, the internet barely worked like there were a few news sites out there uh but you know you know we knew like if and honest, i've i never believed i was never a truther i i always thought that there was just no way that the number of people that would it would take to do the because they're, they're saying like there was controlled demolition that the the melting point of steel is higher than what burning jet fuel would hit. And I know I've seen, um, like documentaries where they're like, yeah, well, yeah, if you put some burning jet fuel in a pan and you set it on fire, it'll hit a certain uh, temperature. But if you make a big metal room like these buildings were, and then pour in whatever the equivalent of a fuel a full airplane into there and let it burn for an hour then you'd start to hit temperatures that would melt steel but you know people are saying oh there was controlled demolition there was charges that were planted uh because even when you demo a building you don't just plant charges you gotta cut the steel you know it would have taken you know to uh, to demolish the two World Trade Center towers and the third one, that, that's another one to talk about because there was three buildings that came down from the World Trade Center. There was a shorter, way shorter one, um, Building 7. And someone's like, oh, well, we heard, we heard chatter over the, the radio that someone's like, okay, now's the time to bring it down. Let's bring it down. And then it came down or, or something like that. So there's, you know, there's a ton of speculative uh evidence you know someone someone says they heard telltale controlled demolition sounds and someone says they saw this and then someone starts sharing a picture of bush with an upside down book because he doesn't know uh, he doesn't care about he knows that within a couple minutes uh the world's going to pretend that we're all under attack and Snopes didn't exist at the time. You know, I wanted to, you know, no, no one loves a good conspiracy more than me, but I also, you know, don't want to believe bullshit. I'd like to be truthful. I know there's a lot going on in the world that we're told uh, that isn't so. Uh, one of the main problems I have with social media is... It sometimes, you know, becomes a blockable or account-canceling offense to say something contrary to what the government wants you to say. So I, I have no great love for government narratives, but uh, I, I'm also not a psychopath piece of shit, and I never, I never thought that this was possible. However, if it if it had happened, I was never going to trust uh, 
like ABC News to break the story or anything. So I was basically left with news organizations no one can trust uh, saying, you know, that it was terrorism. It all seemed like it was terrorism. It really, there's no reason why we couldn't think it was terrorism. Like, here's the video of the hijackers getting on the plane. Uh, they knew exactly who it was. They knew exactly who'd funded it all. They knew who the mastermind was fairly quick. Uh, there was no Snopes out there. And even then, Snopes, I don't trust Snopes 100% of the time either. Because they'll play, they'll play around with, uh, uh, with an answer to be able to call something true, uh, when they miss the point, but they can find a reason why it's true, and I, I don't know, I'm not gonna shit on Snopes now. I was maybe in the next podcast, but, um, yeah, the... And it wasn't, it wasn't immediately, oh god, people again, but gonna have been, uh, eaten alive if they had, uh, started talking shit about, uh, September 11th being an inside job in the first couple years. Uh, let's see, it was, yeah, it was at least five years, seven years before I started hearing, hearing that. Uh, so that's, that's basically where we're at. It's, uh, 9-11, the, the truth is that, uh, 19, uh, 19 people for, uh, fundamental religious reasons, uh, decided to use terrorism to, uh, fuck with America. And, uh. Yeah, I mean, we're we're here we are. We're today. The politics is back. Uh we all hate each other again. Um hopefully it doesn't take uh, another tragedy like this to have us realize that, you know, as Americans we're all like 95 96% the same. Stop focusing on that extra on that on that 5% that makes us uh, slightly different. Um, I'll say, in, in my lifetime, I saw it. I saw, I saw Americans acting as one, uh, feeling as one, uh, proud, proud of our country, uh, proud of what our beliefs are, proud of... Um, the idea of this experiment and if I can call American experiment I know we're one of the newer <coughs> uh, republics uh, countries certainly the the newest one of of our size uh, well, I don't know is Russia can you call them a new country I'm not sure what, what they've changed but uh, you know well if you compare us to England or France uh, we're way, we're way more modern than them. And, uh, I like, I like what we got going and I'm proud of us. And I, I'll say that there's some piece of shit. I don't know, um, if she's a congressman or what, but basically, uh, I saw she was, 
talking about the lives lost on September 11th, and she included the uh, the 19 hijackers in the count of the lives that were lost that she's mourning. And I think you gotta you gotta really really hate America to mourn the loss of the 19 hijackers. And apparently she did it last year too. Uh, just kind of said this is the number of people who died, and it was it included the 19 hijackers. And uh, yeah, I I'll go on the record. Uh, I think this country's great. Uh, there's lots of good pros and cons. I heard an amazing discussion or, or, or person uh, pontificating on the, uh, the monarchy system in the UK. Uh, I'll go ahead and attribute it. It was, um, it was Jordan Peterson was, uh, was talking. He was giving a speech. Uh, the day the uh, the Queen died, Queen of England, and he was asked how it would change the world, and he had the you know the utmost respect both for the Queen uh, as a person and the 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 system of government. the The idea, as he described it, is that you know you've got your You've got your legislative branch, you've got the the prime minister, and you've got the figure, uh, the monarchy, the, the symbol of the country, if you will. And uh, he was talking about how brilliant that is, because here in America, you've got the president who's both the executive and the symbol. Um, and just talking, you know, there's like someone who gets things done and then there's someone who, well, like the, like the, like the queen, like the royal family, they don't, they don't have the power that you would associate with the king or a queen, you know, historically, they're definitely not like my way or the highway. There's still the real power from parliament, but there's like, there's the face of the country and the soul of the country and, you know, extending for, you know, decades of prime ministers and legislators and parliamentarians is this one person uh, or king and queen, or I don't know if there's a king, if the queen has a, a say or, or what, I'm, I'm not sure how that works. But the, the idea is that you have someone who's there historically, generationally, who's not, you know, who, who's there for the people for a long time. And it was just really, you know, the, the best understanding I had of why why that system would work because you know you just think well what's the point of having a a king or a queen that doesn't you know that that doesn't do uh king leadership or queen leadership shit uh other than you know they make a ton of money because they're the huge tourist attraction their castles uh, you know they make way more money uh 
from tourism than the money that they spend. So it's a it's a net gain leaving them there. But more than that, the the separating the the executive from the the spectacle, uh, the cult of personality. You know, better better to have someone who's the cult of personality, the, the soul, if you will, of the country who has influence over, but is not in charge of everything. So this is a long ass tangent, but I thought of it cause I was talking about the experiment of America and Jordan Peterson basically said that he hopes that people realize, you know, as, as, uh, King Charles takes over that uh, hopefully he will be as special as uh, as the Queen was and that people will realize that that is a system worth saving and they, you know, it's not just a tourist stunt that there is real wisdom in having an iconic figurehead that is the different person than the uh, prime minister. And so we'll see how that plays out. And uh, I'm not going to uh, shit on the UK. I've already... And I wasn't even shitting on the UK. I was just shitting on my sister-in-law. But don't tell her I said that. Um, that's it. So that's it. If you guys got any questions... Uh, you can send them to uh, Nick at Birdcast, and uh, that's it. So, like I said, I'm not going to do any farty sounds. This is my somber walk through uh, a really life changing moment, and uh, yeah, I remember watching John Stewart crying on the. Uh, on the John Stewart show, because, you know, they're all out in New York City. If you had a TV show, you're either in L.A. or New York City. And, uh, yeah, everyone, everyone felt this one. And uh, I, I hope we can, without needing to suffer a national tragedy like that, I, I, I hope we can get a, a sense of that uh, camaraderie and pride uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not like big rah-rah America, uh, saying the Pledge of Allegiance stuff, but I'm, you know, I'm proud of what it is we're trying to do. And I'm really proud of, uh, I mean, I, I, I know that I live in a great place and I, I don't want to debate if there's other greater places. That's where I was going. That's why I went to the UK. There's, there's great places out there. And are we the best? I don't know. I'm not trying to say that we're the best, but we're we're way better than a, a lot of people say. And I think it's great. And I uh, I hope that uh, we can mellow things out and uh, come together. Okay, that's it. No more rambling for me. It is weird not hearing the fart sounds after that, but I'm not going to do it.